Come on, let's, let's give Jesus a big hand, amen, this morning. Because that's what it's all about, everybody. It's all about Him. Unto Him be glory in the church. Can we just lift our hands to God? and Let's just pray and let's just lean into God. I, I, I say this scripture. The book of James says this, Draw near to me, God speaking, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So just for the next half an hour, let's commit, hey, we're going to draw near to God. And as you do that, God is going to be real to you. God is going to meet you where you're at this morning. God's going to answer questions and meet needs this morning. You're going to have an encounter with God because you know what? God wants to have an encounter with you more than you want to have an encounter with Him. So right now, just look, let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person in this room this morning. C3 Penrith, Father, we just speak. We thank you, Lord, you're here. Father, and we just are going to draw near to you and allow you to speak into our worlds. Father, open our eyes that we might see wonderful things. Open our ears to hear what your Spirit's saying to us. Open our hearts to receive what you want us to receive. And we just, we just want more of you. Father, move in our world and in our families. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hey, God bless. Let's give Jesus another big hand. Give a couple of people a high five. Say, hey, great to see you in church. Grab a seat. Wow. It's a real pleasure to be in Penrith. I love Penrith, although uh, Pastor Tim called me the other day and just to, you know, make sure I'd remember to come out, which I had, of course. And uh, he said, oh, how are you going, brother? Where are you? What are you doing right now? I said, I'm lying on the beach in Narrabeen. And just the waves were crashing in. I was lying on the beach, getting a few rays. And, uh, you know, Penrith is great. It's just a little bit far from the beach for me. But God bless you all. And it's, uh, <laughs> it is fantastic to be here this morning. And, oh, man, when I was driving out here this morning with my friend Con. Con, you just, can you stand up? Say hello to Con, my, my, my mate Con. And, um, and just, just thinking back to, uh, was it 92? It might have been 92, and we were. Um, I, I brought a team out every Sunday afternoon. I don't know, maybe two o'clock or something. We'd leave the northern beaches, and there's about a bunch of us. We had a we had a convoy. We had a convoy coming. So a whole bunch of people came out here, and um, and started this church. And uh, it was just wonderful. We were here for a year, so we'd come out on Sundays. We'd have a Sunday night service. And then uh, Wednesdays, I'd come out and have several pastoral visits, and then uh, and then we'd have a connect group, and it was all good. And the church has started from that, and in the very front row, uh, so something's never changed. There was Phil and Lynn Jagger of our first our first um, first meeting. Phil and Lynn were sitting in the front row, and uh, and it was at the RSL in Penrith, the RSL, which is just over the back, isn't it? And uh, which stands for Rejoice Your Saviour Liveth. There you go. And so we used to, we had church there, and then we had a couple of other locations, and uh, Phil and Lynn took the church on, and it's just, and then, you know, hey, here we all are. It's awesome, isn't it? But I'll tell you something right now. It's a bit like the feast, isn't it, where Jesus did his first miracle, and the guy tasted the wine. He was a New Zealander. He was the, the head of the feast because he said, um, he said most people uh, bring out the good wine first, and then they bring the, the rubbish out later on after the few, people have had a few. He said, but you have saved the choice wine till last. <laughs> he said, you've saved the choice wine till last. 
And the great thing about life, I want to say this to everybody here today, to us individually and corporately, God's, the be, our best days aren't behind us. Our best days are in front of us. Come on. Our best days are in front of us. You might say, oh, yeah, the good old days when I was young and I'm a prime. No, no, you're in your prime right now. I'm 63 and I'm still rocking. Come on. I mean, Mick Jagger, he's 74 or 5. He, he just had another baby. He's still rocking on. He said, he said, yeah, yeah. He said, I want to grow old disgracefully. And he's, he's succeeded beyond his wildest dreams. And I reckon if Mick, Sir Mick can do it, there's hope for us all yet. What do you reckon? And I mean, what about, what about um, uh, who was it? Um, Caleb. You know, Caleb saw the promised land together with Joshua. And, and he, he came back with a good report. But the 10 spies said, no, they put fear into the people and said, oh, we, we can't do it. We can't do it because of that. The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and missed out on the call of God for their life. But, you know, Caleb said, you know what? We can do it. There might be giants. There may be mountains of opposition. But our God is with us. The God who got... Listen, I want to a word for somebody today. The God who got you out of Egypt can get you into the promised land. The God who did miracles and... Ten plagues and open the Red Sea. That same, and, and there's people here in your past, you've had miracles. God's done incredible things in your life. There's been addictions that have been broken. There's been sicknesses that have been healed. There's relationships that have been mended. And you're going, that was years ago. And you're going, oh, woe is me. No, no, no. That same God who did a miracle in your world is the same God who will continue to usher you in to the plan and promises and purposes that God has for your life. In fact, there's Sarah. What a great, didn't Sarah do a great job this morning in the offering? Jeremiah 29, I love saying this. I always say this and it upsets people. Because I say, listen, I want you to go with me here, okay? God does not have a plan for your life. And people go, oh, in fact, can you bring up, the, the, on the, can you bring up Jeremiah 29, 11? God doesn't have a plan for your life. People go, oh, no, yes, he does. He doesn't. No, no, God doesn't have a plan. Look, I know the what? Plans. God doesn't have a plan for your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, God does not have a plan for your life. God doesn't have a plan for your life. He's got what? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are what? For good and not for others. And then in the King James says, plans a third time to give you a future and a hope. You know, we built a house, it was a McMansion, you know, and, and there was plans. There wasn't a plan, there was plans. There was plans for the plumbing, plans for the electrics, plans for the internal walls, plans for the roof, plans for the slab, plans for the position of that house on the block of land. There were plans. And if if it takes plans to build a house. How much more has God got plans for your life? Plans for your finances. Plans for your family and relational world. Plans for your emotional world. Plans for your spiritual world. Plans for all the holidays that you're going to have. Awesome. Plans for all these great things. God's got plans for every aspect of our life. And I want you to know, hey, you individually have a bright future. This church has got a bright future. This community's got a bright future. This nation and this world 
this world. Don't listen to the doom says, oh, woe is us. We're all going to, oh, no, it's gonna, the world's going to be destroyed or whatever. No, no, none of that. This world will finish when God is good and ready. Our times are in His hands and everything's going to be okay. Let's give Jesus a hand. It's all good. The worst case scenario is you die and go to heaven. That's the worst case scenario, okay? That's the worst case scenario. So relax and enjoy it. Okay, well, God's blessed us. I want you to know something. God's, God's blessed us. How many people have been blessed of God? Come on, I want, to see. I want this to be the best. I want this to be the best answer to an altar call, best response to a response. Hey, and to an appeal. How many people has God blessed? Mate, you know what it says, Psalm 103. It says this, and I, it's not going to come up, but let me just read to you. It says, it says this, forget not. Everybody say forget not. And why would God say that? Because we forget, don't we? All the good things. Forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. And I have to keep reminding this to my wife who couldn't make it today. Darling, you don't know that you shouldn't be forgiving some of my sins. You've got to forgive all my sins. All those things. No, no. God forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who satisfies your desires with good things. Good things. What are some of those good things that God's got for you? What are some of those good things that you're believing God for? They're good things. Oh, God will give you your needs, not your greeds. No. God, God's got good things. All these wonderful, what's the desire? He's going to give you the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All those things you believe in God for, those projects, those personal things, they haven't told anybody else except God. All those things, they're all going to happen for you because God's a good God and He loves you and He's given us so much. But not only that, and this is what I want to preach on, I really appreciate that Sarah's mentioned the parable of the talents uh, as she gave that offering word this morning, but God places gifts within us that are totally and utterly unique. And He wants us to invest those giftings for His glory, for the betterment of the community that's round about us, and also so that we can feel a great sense of personal fulfillment in our lives. But then on that great day, when we stand before Him, and we've all got to give an account for our lives. One of our great goals needs to be to hear those words, well done, you good and faithful servant. Well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, I want you to turn with me. We're going to look at a parable. We're doing a series on parables out of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 19 and verse 11. I might have given you Luke 16, did I? You good? Yeah, sorry. I, I, Luke 19, and, and here's this, and there's a more, there's a more well-known passage called the parable of the talents. In fact, <clears throat> but this is the parable of the meaners. <coughs> Excuse me, the parable of the meaners. Now, and it's slightly different. 
Now, I, what I want to do is I just want to go through this great parable. We're not going to take long today. We're going to go through this parable. We're just going to pull out a few points and apply them to our lives so that the things that God has entrusted to us, we will invest wisely and be good and faithful servants, okay? So here we go. Luke 19, verse 11. Might I say this? This is a Bible. I live, drink, eat, sleep, and breathe out of the Word of God. Jesus said this, man doesn't live by bread alone. And he's quoting the book of Deuteronomy, actually, and he said, but by every word that proceeds. God is speaking. His words are proceeding. Do yourself a favor. Bring your Bible. Now, most of you have your Bibles on phones. I read my Bible on my phone almost every day of my life. Bring your Bible. Always be reading your, the Word of God and allowing. But thank God it's, it's coming up on the screen. But always have your Bible. Now, here we go. Luke 19, 11. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Now, here, let me just, I'll just go to this expository verse by verse. Verse 11, here we go. People are thinking Jesus is going to become an earthly king who's going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel and going to wipe out the, the Romans and set up an earthly kingdom. And by the way, that will happen sometime in the future when Jesus comes again. But what Jesus is doing, and this is the difference between this and the parable of the talents, this is addressing not what's going to happen in eternity. This is addressing what we should be doing in the here and now. Because in the here and now, he continues on and he says this, um, verse 12, he said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So the reference is this. Jesus is speaking about himself basically in this parable and saying, you know what? I'm going away to heaven. I am going to become the king of kings and lord of lords. And it's awesome. And then sometime in the future, I will return. Okay, so, so, so it's not all going to happen right now. You are going to have time. You are going to have time when you're going to need to take what I'm giving you and build my kingdom here on earth before I return. And so here we go. So that's verse 12. And verse 13, he goes this. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Now, okay. He gave them a mina each. Now, um, a mina was the equivalent of three months' wages. Now, the average wage in Australia, now some people are going to get very upset here, but the average wage is around $80,000. Now, you're going, what? Who's getting all that cash? I know I should have voted Labor in the last election. Those, those fat cats earning all that money. But anyway, that's the average wage. So he gave them around $20,000 each. And he said, put this money to work until I come back. Look at verse 13 here. If we're going to have that up on the screen. Look at verse 13. A couple of things here. He called them. 
And I want you to know this. The call of God is on all of our lives. And it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how good looking you are, or whatever. There's a call of God. And there will be times when a whole bunch of us today understand that we've heard a call from God. Like Mark Sullivan, I've been called of God. In fact, in 1992, I was called of God to start this church. It's amazing, isn't it? Tim and Jody Christenet have been called of God to pass to the church. But each and every one of us have callings upon it. And God, and this is a very sacred thing. This is a very holy thing. And I love joking around having fun. It's also, it's a very serious thing too. We have this calling of God upon our lives. And not only that, with that calling, it says he called 10 of his servants. What do servants do? Serve. And can I say this? I'm just thinking about this now, guys. Today in the church, and I'm into it, we hear messages on sonship. We have messages on blessing. We have messages on, on joy and excitement and all that stuff. And we're children of God, and I'm totally into it. But on the other side of the coin, not only are we sons and daughters of God, we flip over the coin and we see we're servants of God. And not only servants of God, we're servants of the community in which we live. You cannot have one without the other. And so we've got to realize, you know what? God, and and hold on, hang on, I'm just thinking about this now. If I'm a servant, then what does that make Jesus? He is my He's my master. And today, I'm thinking about this again. Here we are, 2019 in Australia. That concept is, is terrible to most of Australia to think that, no, no, I'm not serving everybody. I'm not serving anyone. And no one is my master and all this sort of stuff. But I want you to understand this in this context. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. You and I have been saved, we've been called, and we are here to serve Him. We have been, listen, we've been saved by the blood of Christ. We've, we've, Jesus has come and died on the cross. For, his blood has been shed. His life has been given to us. Now listen, here we go. You can't buy it. It's free. But listen, as one man once said, it's free Salvation is a free gift of God, right? It's free, but it doesn't come cheap. Turn to your neighbour and say, it's free, but it doesn't come cheap. It's, it, listen, listen, it's free. It's all free. The gift of God's free, but it doesn't come cheap. It's free. It costs Jesus everything. Everything. Jesus was in heaven, got off his throne, put aside his robes and his crowns, came down to earth, was born as a baby in a manger, was raised for 30 or so years, preached for three years, was crucified on the cross for the sins of the world. It was, it's, and that salvation is completely, totally and utterly free. It's free, but it didn't come cheap. And now we have been bought with a price, the blood of Christ, and we are bought with a price and we're released into the glorious liberty of the children of God. But you know what? There was an old thing back in Jesus' time where there were slaves 
And the master would let the slave go, but then the slave would turn around and say, you know what, I don't want to go. I want to come back here. I'm going to be, I am going to continue to serve you for the rest of your life. That as a free choice, he could have gone. But he said, no, no, no. I, because true freedom isn't going off and doing our own thing. True freedom is turning back to the God, to the Master, to the Saviour who has set us free and saying, you know what? I'm not going to be free. I'm not going to live my life the way I want to. I'm going to live my life the way you want me to. And that slave, then the master would get a, get a drill, drill through his ear, and that, and, and that slave would be called a love slave. He's there not because he has to be there. He's there because he loves his master and wants to be there. And the question, I suppose, really, for all of us today is, are we prepared to give up our own agendas to say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus' agenda. I'm going to be a love slave in the house and I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm not going to do my own thing with all that God has given me. I'm going to do his thing. I'm going to follow his agenda. I'm going to live my life the way he wants me to live. I'm working hard. This is a tough crowd. They're a tough crowd this morning. You're tough out here in Penrith. Wow. All right. Am I yelling too much, by the way? I get excited. I get excited. I'm... But this is, listen, usually when I'm preaching, I say, look, it's all, if you haven't seen me preach, it's all real. The only thing that's fake is the watch. <laughs> Although today I'm wearing a watch my sister gave me for my birthday. Usually I've got a fake brightling on. But it, it, everything's, it's all real except for the watch, okay? It's all real except the watch. All right, because this, this is how I, this is it. This is, this is me. Okay, so what does he do? In verse 13, he gave them 10, ten minas. And we've seen that wasn't an insignificant amount of money. Uh, in the parable of the talents, he actually gives them a lot more. Um, <clears throat> talents worth a lot more than minas. But in this particular one, he's saying, and, and here's the thing. In the parable of the talents, he gave one servant five talents, one two and one one, according to their ability. But in this story, he says, listen, I'm giving you all the same thing. I'm giving you all one mean, I'm all giving you 20 grand each. Now I want you to invest this while I'm away, because I'm coming back and I'm going to hold you to account for how you invest what I've given you. And so this is incredible. Um. <clears throat> Now, here's the thing. You're not saved by good works. I want you to know that. And we need to just nail that. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we're not saved by good works, okay? You're not saved. So if you take these talents or, or these men and you, 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 know, you, you serve God, you'll get saved. No, 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 not at all. In fact... I remember once I was preaching at a chapel service, which I was supposed to be at today, but I left at 8.30 a.m. I was there, greeted people at the door, then jumped in the car and drove here. Okay, got over here. But I was preaching once there, and I, I had this realisation as a preacher. It says, just because you keep the commandments doesn't mean you love God. But if you love God, you keep his commands. See? And look what it says here, Ephesians chapter 2, 8. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved... Through faith. This is not from yourselves. 
It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So you're not saved by works. You're saved by faith. But then here's the rub, verse 9. Verse 10, sorry. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You're not saved by good works. You're saved for good works. How about that? You're not saved by working hard. If I'm, I'm, I'm a real religious person. I, I go, to, go to church every week and go through the, jump through the hoops. I'll, I'll get saved. No, no, no. You're not saved by good works. You're saved for. Everybody say by. Everybody say for. We're not saved good works. We're saved for good works. You're saved for good works. And God's given and trusted something that is unique to you. He's given something. In fact, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, just over the page here, says this. It says this. Um, For to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. You have a gift from God. You have something special. One of those means that he has entrusted to you that is totally and utterly unique. As I think Sarah was saying before, or it might have been Jody, to your personality type, your background, your your skill set is completely, totally, and utterly unique to you. In fact, we had that wonderful lady. Who was the lady who got the award today? Sunyon, today. And there's Sunyon. You know what? She comes into church, and she and I've never met Sunyon before. She comes and she says, "You know what? I don't want to go once a month. I want to go once a fortnight. I want to. I want to." And that was up here on the um, the boombox drum thing. Was that her? Was that somebody else? Sorry, but you know oh, that was who was that? Susan, God bless you, Susan. Great job. You're two beautiful women in the church. There you go. And, and, but it's, it's an amazing thing. Let's just serve God because we, we love God and we love people and we love the house of God. We're motivated by love. And here's the thing. I'll just say this to you today. Um, God, I, 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 sort of, I sort of think, when I think of abilities that God's given us, all of us, I see them falling into three areas. There's probably more, but this is my little thing. Okay, number one. Time. Everybody say time. Number one, God's given us all time. Now, averages again. You got shocked by the $80,000, didn't you? Okay, here it comes. The average life expectancy in Australia is 82 and a half years. Or 30,112 and a half days. That's the average life expectancy in Australia. I think it's about fourth or fifth or somewhere. It's in the top ten in the world. Anyway, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Well, in fact, I looked back in 1850, I think it was, the life expectancy was 42 years of age. So, by the way, the world isn't going backwards, by the way. It's actually, we're actually going forward. We've never been a better time to live than what it is 2019 and in Australia. We're absolutely blessed. And so here we go. The average life is now God's given you 30,000 days or there, whatever. What are you going to do with that? 
Psalm 31.15, the psalmist said, My times are in your hands. Psalm 139, verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me. See, there's days that have been, some of you are going to live to be 100. Some of you might only live to be 60. Whatever. But all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So there's days that have been ordained for you. There's gifts that have been given to you. You, we all, No matter how rich or poor we are, we all have time. What are we doing with the time that God has given to us? C.T. Studd, who's one of my great heroes, he was an English cricketer who played in the ashes, lost the ashes to Australia. In fact, his name is inscribed on the urn. The name Studd is actually on the urn with a bunch of the other guys who played for England. But he wasn't interested in having his name on the urn. He was interested in having his name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That was far more important. And he said this, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Because he realized, I've only got X amount of time. And that man went and started missions in China. He was a wealthy guy, gave all his money away. Became one of the, the um, China's, China Inland Mission with Hudson Taylor. Shaved his hair off, grew a ponytail, wore the robes, went to China. Met his future wife there, then they went to India. Then they started the Heart of Africa mission, and he died there on the mission field in Africa. And he said these words, some, liked, some would like to live within sound of church and chapel bell. I'd rather start a rescue shop a yard away from hell. Now, that was his thing. That was, that was, that was C.T. Studd, the great missionary and pioneer. I encourage you to read the book. It's a fantastic biography. That's his thing. But he realizes, I've got time. I want to invest that for God. Everybody say time. Secondly, God gives us abilities. I've already read you that passage, that God gave gifts to men. You and I have abilities. And, and it's a wonderful thing. We've all got different talents. There's different things. And, and, but having said that, you need to be happy and comfortable in your own skin. Because we're taught by society to always want what isn't ours. And whilst we need to be bettering ourselves and becoming a bigger and a better person, we also, on the other side of the coin, we need to be happy and relaxed in the person that God made us. And be, but within that, find our skill set and our gifting and invest, invest that to God, to the community, and into His house. You know, I mean, none of this is rocket science. I mean, I'm, but I remember once I was preaching at God in the city, and that's on the corner of Stanley and Palmer Streets in the city. And and I'm preaching, and as I'm preaching, it came to me all these young, good-looking people, similar to this congregation here today. Uh, there you go. Now I'm really preaching. Okay, and um, I was preaching, and I, was, I thought, well, you know what? So yeah. So uh, and I, I was preaching, and I said. How many of you have got tertiary degrees? And the entire congregation put their hands up. Extremely well-educated congregation. 
And I thought, you know, I dropped out of uni after a week. That's true. But collected, kept collecting the government benefits for being a student all year. Don't tell the New Zealand government that. They'll come after me. So I thought, oh, mate, these people are all better educated than me. Then I looked on the front row. There was a guy who was an acquaintance of mine who owns two property franchises selling real estate, and they're number one and two in the nation for his company. And he's really wealthy. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to have money like that? But I don't have money like that. Oh, wow, I missed out there. Then I looked at the back row. There was a guy, Jason Stevens, who used to play rugby league for Australia. And I would have loved to have been an elite sportsman. I love football. It would have been awesome. But guess what? There's only one thing that stopped me from being the greatest football player on the planet. Reality. I don't have any time. I used to play. I played first grade um, rugby, rugby league in Christchurch, you know, for the worst team. But you know what? But I was never good at. I was never, never good enough. And that's his thing. He's a famous football player. And then it gets worse. There was a guy in the second row, and he was a great musician. He was playing guitar, and I'd love to have been a guitar player in a rock and, in a rock and roll band. <laughs> rock and roll. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I would have loved to have just rocked out and you know, touring the world. And this guy's a really good guitar player, and I haven't got any talent at all. Then it got worse. There's a guy called Terence. You know Terence. You know Terence. Yeah, he had a shirt on. Unfortunately, girls, he had a shirt on. But he, and he's this guy from the Caribbean. He's a black guy, a male model. In fact, I'll be driving along. He'd be in his underwear drinking vanilla milk or chocolate milk on the side of a bus that would go past. And I'd go, finally, I was good looking. But I fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. And so all these talented, good-looking, smart, rich, well-educated football star congregation, here's poor old me sitting here. But you know what? I need to be comfortable about who I am. God has made me with my own strengths. I don't have what they've got, but they don't have what I've got. I'm not any of those things. I'm a preacher of the Word of God. I'm comfortable. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I've got talents and abilities that they don't have. And you have talents and abilities. And I ask you right now before God, why don't you go and seek God and say, God, help me to invest what you have given me in this life to use for your glory and for my community and my church. Can we give Jesus a big hand? Your abilities, your talents. And then there's finances, and we've, we've, we've heard. So I, I, I think time. I think abilities. I think finances. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to produce wealth. We are, you know, and God, we, we actually, Australia is the fourth wealthiest country in the world for individual wealth. We are the fourth wealthiest country on the planet. And here's the thing. When we get given these finances, we work for these finances, we need to ask God. Now, you don't have to give anything. 
That's not the point, what you have to do. But what should you give? And I was reading recently, and it came to me, I was thinking about this because I was trying to get an offering word, and there was this great old hymn by Isaac Watts, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, on which the Prince of Glory died. And he says this, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You don't have to give anything. But what should you give? What should you give of your finances in light of the fact that Jesus has given everything for you? What should we give? How should we invest our time? How should we invest our abilities? How should we invest our finances? You know what? That's completely up to you. But one day we will have to stand before God. And, uh, but it's not the great white throne judgment, which is where people who don't know Christ will have to stand. For those of us today who know Christ, it's the beamer judgment, which is the Greek word for the judges would go in athletics carnival, athletics event like the Olympics, and they would hand out prizes to the winners. That's, and that's, that's the throne that you and I will be standing for when Jesus will be judging us according to our time, according to our abilities, according to our finances, we will be judged. And that won't determine where we spend eternity because we're saved by faith. It won't determine where we'll spend eternity. It will determine how we'll spend eternity. But that's another sermon. That's another sermon. How will you spend eternity? Because Jesus, in the parable of the meaners, and I'm going a little bit over time, let me just finish with this. It says here... um, Uh, Verse 16, the first one came back and said, Sir, your mina has earned 10 more. So he brought back $220,000. The $20,000 that was originally given to him and another $200,000, he gave it back to him. And the master said, Well done, my good servant. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. There are responsibilities that will God, God will give us in this life and in the life to come because of our service for Him. Again, we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. And I'm going I'm to close it. I've got other stuff. We're not, I'm not going to go there because time's up. But listen, my time for my sermon is up but the time for your life is not up. And I'm going to finish now. You won't be finishing. You'll be walking into the bright future that God has for you and your beautiful families after, after this afternoon. But can I just say this? When you go home, there's no condemnation to those in Christ, but why don't you say to God, God, and even now, as we're closing, why don't we just close our eyes? Right in God's presence, if you're comfortable, just close your eyes, whatever. It's all good. God loves you, thinks you're fantastic. But why don't we say, hey, God, thank you for what you have given me. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the years, the hours, the minutes you have given me. Help me to invest them for your glory. Thank you for my abilities. Jesus said, the fields are white, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers 
The, the problem isn't even outside these doors. The problem's in the doors, inside the church, because there's enough talent and ability in this room to see this great city reached. Are we up for it? The workers of you, God, help me to use my talents, my giftings, to your glory, to reach this nation in Jesus' name. And Lord, help me, my finances, to invest it wisely. And hey, thank you, Lord, that I'll be paying the bills. Thank you, Lord, that I'll be buying stuff. and It's all good, but thank you, Lord, too, that I'll be giving some to, for, for the kingdom of God to be built. And then there'll be poor people who need a hamper, who need some love. Help me to give to that, God. Help me to give to people who have needs because I'm very thankful for what you have given me and I want to invest it for your glory. Can we just stand in God's presence right now? Just, just while we're in God's presence, just close your eyes. If there's people here, maybe you've never met Christ or you're saying, I need to get right with God today. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you and I'll acknowledge it. And then one of the team will see you later. If there's somebody and you've never met Christ or you've been away from God and you're saying, I need to get right with God today, why don't you just raise your hand and say, I've been away from God, I need to get right. I don't know Christ. I need to follow you. In Jesus' name, just for a few moments, if there's anybody here, you need to meet Christ for the first time or recommit your life to Christ, just raise your hand up. I'll see it and pray together. If not, could we all just lift our hands right now? Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to hand it back to Pastor Jody. Father, I thank you for the giftings, for the time, the talent, the finances that you've placed in all of our lives. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will take me and you will use me to your glory. Help me to invest what you've given me to you and your kingdom in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand? God bless you. Amen. How good was that? Can we thank Pastor Mark for that word? Did you enjoy that? So good. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Love it. Like so much gold and so entertaining as well. Power and fun and laughter. It's the perfect combination. So good. Well, church, you know, um, I really want to encourage us again with, you know, we've been talking about our four. Four people, or even if you can't think of four, one person that God is asking you to pray for to show kindness to, to love on, to, to give gifts to, your, your time, your abilities to, your finance, maybe buying them a coffee or dropping something at their house or doing something to melt people's hearts with kindness and lead them to Jesus. And I want to remind you again, every single day be praying for your four people. If you don't have anyone yet on your heart, say, God, who is it? Who is in my world? Because every single one of us, would have someone, whether it's a neighbor or someone at work or, you know, a family member that doesn't know Jesus. So who are, who is in your world? Who has God put in your world that he's asking you to pray for and to love on and show kindness to? Um, you know, I heard a story just recently about um, someone in, in a workplace who, who asked this person, why, 
why do they have so much peace? Like, what is it? What is the peace on their life? Like, there's just so much peace that they carry. And they were able to share about the fact that it's Jesus. It's, it's coming to church. It's living for God. And, and um, you know, and I believe there are people in our world, every single one of us, that God has given us. And I, and I, I believe that, again, God will say, what did you do for the people in your world? Did you use your time for others? Did you use your gifts, abilities for others? Did you pray for others? What are you going to do? Who is in your world? Who can you show kindness to? And we are coming into the most incredible season. We've got Christmas coming up, different services. Like We would love you to think about who could I invite to Christmas services? Who can I just show love to, drop a Christmas hamper off to, pray for the people every day? I really felt for myself as I've prayed for my four that God has just given me opportunities just to, just to, their hearts have seemed softer. He's given me opportunities to just step out and pray for them or speak into their life and it's been awesome. So I really want to encourage you, get behind that. Even if it's only one, who has God put in your world? All right, let's do this as a church. Beautiful. Well, We've got Next Step happening at 11.45. It is week number two. So um, it doesn't matter if you haven't done any of the other weeks. You can come along. Um, and week number two is all about Sarah thriving. So Sarah and Stephen run that. So thriving. So we're talking about connect groups. We're talking about water baptism. We're talking about um, all sorts of things like that. How to thrive in your relationship with God. How to thrive as part of C3 Church. So we'd love you, if you haven't done Next Step 2, head along to that back in the primary room at 11.45. We're going to have an incredible week. Do you believe that? Yes. We're going to use our time, our abilities, our finances for God this week. Yes. Amen. All right. Let me pray for you, church. Father, I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you for every person in this place, every family, every individual represented here. Lord, we pray your blessing and your favor upon every person, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus, that as we go out into our week, our homes, our neighborhoods, our communities, that you would use us, God, for your glory. Lord, again, we just commit our lives to live for you, to live for your glory. Use us, God. Send us, God. We thank you for the privilege that it is to be used by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, the service is over, but church is not. Make sure you stick around, have a coffee, some morning tea. Say hi to someone you haven't met before. Have a beautiful week. We'll see you 6 p.m. Tuesday for prayer and in Connect Groups.